0: so let's get into an informative and empowering conversation hello welcome to the motherhood village podcast my name is nicole cumberbatch and we have a very special guest today we have sarah rosensweet who is a certified peaceful parenting coach She's a speaker and educator. She currently lives in Toronto with her husband and three big kids, ages 15, 18, and 21. Sarah works one-on-one virtually with parents all over the world to help them go from frustrated and overwhelmed to we've got this. Welcome, Sarah. How are you today?
1: I'm well. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Okay, before we go into the meat and potatoes of it all, let's go into our icebreaker round. What is your favorite book or one you would like to recommend?
1: I'm going to recommend a parenting book that I read recently because I interviewed the author on my podcast, and it's a parenting book I'd never heard of before, and it's one of the best I've ever read, and it's called Self-Reg, Self-Reg as in Self-Regulation by Dr. Stuart Shanker, and it's a book I think every parent should read if you have a kid who has challenging behavior. Um, It really helps you understand that behavior from um, a nervous system perspective, and as he says, misbehavior is stressed behavior. And if every parent could understand that misbehavior, stressed behavior, I think that uh, our approach to parenting would just be so much more peaceful and compassionate. I think even just saying that makes so much sense.
0: And I'm so thankful that we're having these kind of conversations, you know, um, from then when we were growing up. And I'm sure even we'll we'll get into from when you parented up until Mm now. Um, So yeah, that sounds like it would be an amazing book. What are the values that guide
1: you and your family? Oh, I had fun thinking about this and actually just talked about it with my husband. The one, I would say there's one value that we consciously talked about as our kids were growing up, which was people, not stuff, um, that that was what was really important to us. And I think um, some sort of unspoken values that really go along with that was we encouraged our kids to to be themselves and accept other people for who they were and differences and uh, diversity and different opinions. And we really wanted, you know, one of my sons came on my podcast and his advice to parents was let your kids be weird. And, And I think that was, I think that really actually does encompass sort of like one of our family values is that it's okay to be different. And then along with that is to be kind. Um, And, you know, I've had comments from people about my kids over the years that they're they're kind kids. And so I think that all of that can come back to that people, not stuff, you know, what's really important. Love it. How has motherhood transformed you? Oh, you're asking me at a time, it might make me cry, but it really has been the most meaningful thing in my life, this experience of being a mother. And I'm talking to you on the the, you know, the time when my active parenting is starting to come to a close, you know, I have my youngest is 15 and sophomore in high school. And I just, I've been really sad lately thinking about, um, you know, not really, of course, I'm always going to be a mother, but not having that active parenting part anymore. And I just think that being a mother has given me so much meaning in my life. And that's really how it's transformed me. Like I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how how much I could affect other people or, you know, um, how important I could be, I guess, until I became a mother.
0: And I think... It's like you're going to this next phase of, of what a mother is, right? Which I'm sure is a whole new world. Well, you said you had it. You, you have a 21 year old, so you've experienced a portion of that. Although there's, you know, a few of my colleagues who have kids that are in their 20s or they have grandkids now, and they're like, you know, you're never done parenting. It's just no. a different kind of parenting
1: yeah, aspect that sure. comes
0: with it. Um, so I can imagine you reaching, you know, your your baby that's 15. That's like, whoa, this is coming up really soon.
1: Yeah, um, so all I think the what, one like thing you. I one thing I've realized that comes along with parenting older kids or or even adults is how do you keep yourself relevant? Um, and you know, uh, we you know my husband just told me today that he took our twenty one year old out to lunch. They met met up in the city because he doesn't live at home. And and I think it's just little things like that, like hey, let me take you out to lunch. You know, he's he's supporting himself now, and so a nice restaurant lunch is is <laughs> a way that we can keep ourselves relevant. <laughs>
0: I love it. And it's so, so very important. It takes a village to raise a child and to uplift a mother. Who and what has been a part of your village?
1: Well, I live in a really small community where, you know, you could walk. I remember when my kids were little, if I felt lonely, um, you could walk outside with the baby in the baby carriage and just find a neighbor to talk to. And that's been really meaningful for me over the years to be part of this small community. it, like literally a, a small village and where, you know, one of you, some of your best friends might be people that you, that are your neighbors that you never would have talked to except for proximity. And, you know, our, our next door neighbor is an 80 something professional gardener slash jazz musician, and he's the kid's godfather. And I really think living a lot of people today don't know what it's like to live in community. And so for me, my, my Island community has been that and just having you know people with the kids kids to play with they can go out and people are have an eye out for them it's been really important part of my journey what is your parenting superpower patience <laughs> i am i am uh, blessed with an extreme amount of patience Um, and in some ways it's been my, um, my Achilles heel as well, because my, and my daughter's okay if I talk about this, but we, she got diagnosed with ADHD when she was 12. And I think if I hadn't been so patient, we may have figured that out earlier. Um, I think other people, other parents may have been like, what the heck is going on with this kid? But I was so patient with her and her impulsivity that it took us a long time to get the diagnosis. So, superpower, yes. And also, you know, maybe if I had been quite so patient, we would have figured that out earlier. But yeah, patience definitely is my superpower.
0: And that's, I think, a good point for all of us, I think, to show, you know, there's not good and bad, but there are things that we might consider our superpower, things that we might think are negative that can be positive and vice versa, totally, depending on how much we give into it and what Um, uh, I guess how much overwhelm or, or balance or making sure that there is balance with it. So I like how you said that because yeah, most people like, Oh my God, I wish patience is whatever, you know, it's it's a, it really is a virtue and it makes a difference. And I think in parenting, it's huge and something very important to have. Um, But on the flip side, like you said, but Maybe sometimes to the point that's like, well, how much do you balance and say, okay, I let this go? Or is it something we need to have checked out, Mm -hmm. which I would imagine, which we'll get into in the work that you do in helping parents recognize that on both ends. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So now that's a good segue. Why don't we go into what peaceful
1: parenting exactly is? Sure. So there are um, I'll give you my my quick my quick definition of peaceful parenting. Uh, Peaceful parenting is three big ideas. The first big idea is a focus on self-regulation. Self-regulation doesn't mean that you never get upset or annoyed or frustrated or yell. It means that when you do get upset, you know what to do to try to calm yourself, that you take responsibility for calming yourself so that you can respond to your child rather than react out of anger. So that's self-regulation. It, as I said, doesn't mean that you don't get upset. Peaceful parents get upset all the time and frustrated and annoyed, but then we we take responsibility for our feelings and we, we make an effort to calm ourselves. Sure. The second big idea is a focus on connection and the relationship. Um, this has especially come home to me as mother of older children, because really the only true way you have to influence someone else is through your relationship with them. And yeah, if you have a four or five year old, you can control them, you know, pick them up and move them where you want them to go, or whatever, or, or use power over them to get them to do what you want to do, want them to do. But when your kids get older, um, you know, I, I mean, I have problems with power and control, anyways. But you can no longer use power and control to get kids to cooperate. You have to be able to influence them, and so that relationship is that way we can, uh, you know, really influence our kids. And also it's what makes parenting sweet, right? Like we didn't have kids just to move them through the schedule and get them to soccer practice or whatever, like having that connection with your child is what makes it all worth it. Then the third big idea, and this is the one that uh, may be the most fringy for some of your listeners is, um, kind firm limits without punishment. So we don't, uh, we don't use consequences, uh, or timeouts or, you know, anything that's sort of fear- based or, um, you know, inflicting or threatening some measure of pain to get children to cooperate. Flip side of that is rewards. We don't believe in using rewards either. Um, we do believe in in limits and natural consequences, um, but we don't use punishment or rewards as a way to uh, control children's behavior. And I guess that can segue into my next question since
0: you ended it there for the for those moms, and I won't necessarily say the older generation, because I think you have even some of the new generation that's still like, what do you mean? How do you not have consequences? Or how do you not have this? Um, Which you didn't say you don't have consequences, but you don't use it as a form of punishment, correct? Or having that negative. So what would you do? So let's say, and I'll give an example with my son. So he is four, right? So we are trying to show him how to self-regulate and my husband and I mainly me because I'm more of the emotional one to begin with so I really try and self-regulate I really try and watch um, my emotions because I know we are at this age where he's a sponge and taking really for my husband and I and if I really want to have him do certain certain things I need to emulate that as well right I need to truthfully be be it mm-hmm. um, so I try and self-regulate for sure and of course teaching him so I say that to you but we're at that we're at that stage, right? He's going through a transition. He's going officially in VPK, so a lot more bigger emotions and outbursts than normally. Um, how would I then in that moment, if he is having a tantrum or through something or whatever, or wasn't just listening, completely ignored us after doing what you know? And we've asked him now ten times. Mm-hmm. Give an example of what you would recommend for someone in my shoes to do.
1: Okay. Well, you you gave kind of a a little a, bit, lot. a lot of oh. examples at once yeah. of like, not listening, um, having yes. a tantrum and throwing things. So sort yep. of three, I mean, I guess those all could be combined. <laughs> yes. But You um, so, could break down
0: whichever is, okay. is more.
1: So first of all, asking 10 times just teaches kids to ignore us, right? So one of the mm-hmm. first things that, that I would teach you if you were my client is how to get his attention in an effective way. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, you, what, you don't want to be calling out across the room because often little kids really, they get engrossed in what they're doing. Yes. They, they can be, it seems like they hear us, but they don't really hear us. Or he might just not like what you're asking him to do. So if he knows yeah. you're going to ask him 10 times, he's going to wait until the 10th time, right. Or until you yeah. get upset or whatever. I gotcha. mm-hmm. So getting his attention in an effective way. Um, and if he, if he still doesn't want to come along with you with a four-year-old, your best friend is play. How can you do what we call finding a win-win solution? So how can you engage him in, you know, I don't know if he loves Paw Patrol or, you know, what, <laughs> most four-year-olds love Paw Patrol, right? Yes, yes, so, yes. so like, oh, it's time for our mission. You know, I don't know the characters, but like, I gotcha. you know, you're yes. this guy and I'm that guy. Like, I remember when my son was that age, he loved the show called Blue's Clues. Okay. And it was like, you could say anything. You'd be like, look, a clue on the garbage can, like, let's go put this in the garbage. And he'd like Mm -hmm. run right over like a clue, a clue. So, you know, engaging kids in play, like making it fun, making a race. Um, So that's a great way to get uh, to get that cooperation that you need. Um, And then I'd say the throwing things and tantrums, that's sort of another, uh, you know, another Aspect of parenting sure. a four year old, um, if he's throwing things and having a tantrum, you know, go back to what we said about misbehavior as stressed behavior. He's mm-hmm. dysregulated. Even yeah. so, so when our nervous system senses um, an emergency, you know, our nervous system is always scanning our environment. It goes on in our unconscious. It's called neuroception, and it's always scanning our environment um, within our bodies and the people that were around for so- cues of safety or danger. A cue of danger can set off the fight, flight, or freeze response. It's an automatic and unconscious that we go into fight, flight, or freeze if we sense danger. A child's own big feelings of overwhelm, frustration, disappointment can be enough to set off that um, emergency response. The body can't tell the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat. So your four-year-old might be reacting as if you know a tiger just jumped out in front of you yeah. in the woods when you've just really just told him, you know, we're turning off the iPad. Um, that sense of disappointment and overwhelm is, it is enough to, to hijack him and to get him dysregulated. So if we can remember that when he's having a hard time, and that's another one of our wonderful peaceful parenting mantras, is he's not giving you a hard time. He's having a hard sure. time. So he's having a very hard time right now. How can you empathize with him? The only time anyone ever wants to calm down is when they feel understood and empathized with. So, oh buddy, I know how much you want to keep watching Paw Patrol. It's your favorite show. Oh, and I bet when you're a grown up, you're just never going to turn off the TV. You're just going to watch TV all night. You know what though? It's time for bed. We do need to turn off the iPad. So he may still have some strong feelings about it. He may still need to cry Um, and that's okay. You know, he can cry. He can have his feelings and that Mm -hmm. you said you're trying to teach him self-regulation. The only way he will learn self-regulation is through, and this is a nervous system thing, it's not just my opinion or a nice peaceful parenting idea, the way he learns self-regulation is through co-regulation. As humans, that's the only way we learn how to self-regulate is through the experience of um, experiencing regulation with another person's nervous system. So you and your husband being the calm and compassion that you bring to him when he's having a hard time, he's actually going to be able to to, uh, borrow that calm From you. And so that, you know, over time, that's how you're going to wire his reactions, wire his brain to be able to to know this is not an emergency. I can handle these big feelings. They will pass. And that's the only way that you're going to teach him self-regulation, which is actually different. And going back to the book I mentioned, self-regulation is different than self-control. Stuart Shanker differentiates between the two. Self-control, you can shut down a response. Um, You might see a child, if they're afraid enough or feel alone enough, they could shut down their big emotional response and stop crying and be quiet. But inside, they're still incredibly stressed, right? Their cortisol levels are high. Their sure. blood pressure is high. Their heart rate is fast. So self-regulation and self-control are not the same thing. What you really want them to do is actually to be able to calm himself, be able to know it's not an emergency and he'll also appear calm on the outside, but he'll actually be calm. And, you know, I've talked to
0: other peaceful um, parenting therapists on my show, and I love talking um, to people that I've ta- already kind of talked to because I, I get different um, and not different. It's all in, in essence the same, but um, it, it's just a a different aspect of it and a lot of what I know of peaceful parenting started because of my podcast and talking to different therapists so I'm very thankful because of what of what you're saying is actually a lot of what we've done cool. what I notice is when I'm having my own stressful day that's when it to me is the hardest part because then everything Or it feels like at that moment, I've forgotten everything. And I want to go back to the, because I said so, get over here. We have to go to bed. It's time. And where before I would have knelt down to him. I know, you know, hey, God exactly what you said I know you really love the show and we can you know watch it again tomorrow but we really you know the whole mm-hmm. spiel and mm-hmm. giving him a big hug when he starts to cry and letting him kind of have the moment and have his feelings but it's the moments where I'm stressed or I need yeah. him to go to bed because I have 30 emails to go through my inbox yeah. that's what
1: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah. that's so where it comes a little it- more
1: that's why our first big idea is self-regulation because yes. I, you can know all of those skills and tools that you just mentioned that you that yes. you already practice but if you can't stay calm in the moment to practice them then they're useless right sure. um so that's why we always start with self-regulation and always you know if we're struggling and that's where we always come back to
0: now let me ask because you have older children um, what was your profession before becoming a peaceful parenting coach and did you ov- always? I guess, or when did you start learning about the peaceful parenting yeah. techniques to then apply it to your own family?
1: So I always thought I would be a teacher. Like that was, you know, when I was in university, I had like an English and history major. I thought I would I would be a teacher. Um, but then I spent my 20s, doing all sorts of fun things, including, you know, I, I was a, a teaching assistant at a Montessori school. I waitressed. Um, and then my my about five year for about five years before I had kids, I worked in the film industry um as a, a costume designer, assistant costume designer. And Very I cool. loved that job so much. I loved working in wardrobe. It was just like the best job, um, but it was minimum sixty to seventy hours a week. It was a really, really intense work, work, um, work hours, and I got pregnant. Um, fully intended to go back after one year of my mat leave because in Canada we have a year mat leave, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and my boss said, "Great, you can have your job back after a year." And then as soon as I had my son. I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to go back to 60, 70 hours a week of work. And my husband worked in the same field, so he also worked very long hours. So it would have been – he would have been raised by a nanny, you know, like really I wouldn't have seen him except for on the weekends. So – um I very reluctantly realized that I'm not going to be going back to film. I I did a couple of in between each child. I did a contract. So I had kept my foot in the door a little bit, but one day I finally said, I'm just not going to be able to keep doing this. I went to teacher's college and um, decided that I didn't want to be a teacher. So (laughs) that was like, "Uh Oh, now what am I going to do? I had a, I had a third child. um, And then I, you know, I, I, Pretty much stayed at home for about twelve years. I did a lot of things on the side, but I wasn't, you know, working out in the world very much. Um, and then when my youngest went to kindergarten, I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? My husband has the soul of an entrepreneur, and he said you should start your own business. And I actually didn't want to. Like, I I wanted to get a job where I could just work for someone else. And but I realized if I want to be around flexibility, if someone's sick, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do. So. I um I had a friend who was a life coach at the time and I thought I could be a parenting coach because just to backtrack a little bit when I had my kids you know I um I think you could probably relate sort of a type A um, personality that you like never stop learning, like never stop wanting to do yes. the professional development, even if you don't have a job. Well, any so, kind of
0: development, and, yeah. and I want to write a book and why yeah. and putting on. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. I figured
1: that was you. So my yes. professional development was like as a mom, right? Like I, um, I started out following sort of attachment parenting when my son was born, and then when he was about one and a half, I remember he was crying one day, and this family friend said, "I went to pick him up and." his family friend said, oh, don't pick him up. He's just manipulating you. And I started to notice all of this really um, contradictory advice to how I had yes. been raising him the first year and a half of his life about, you know, having, you should give timeouts and like blah, blah, blah. So this was back in 2002. Like this was, wow. the, you know, a long, long time ago, aging myself. Um, And uh, there wasn't much out there in terms of peaceful parenting books or anything. I, I found Alfie Cohn, who I would highly recommend to anyone who wants mm-hmm. to know more about the uh, sort of the philosophy and the research behind this kind of parenting. Um, I found Alfie Cone, and there was a magazine called Mothering Magazine that was a natural family living magazine. Mm-hmm. And you know, through the years, um, I think I just really practiced this this kind of parenting intuitively. Uh, and Alfie Cone was a big one for not using punishment or rewards. Um, and then I'll never forget um, when my oldest son was—I think it was probably 2000. Twelve, I got my hands on this book called um, "Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids" by Dr. Laura Markham, and I read it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's a name for this kind of parenting that I've been doing. It's called peaceful parenting." And shortly after that, I was was when I decided to start my coach business. Shortly after that, I learned that Dr. Laura was doing a coach training, so I trained with her, um, which was so. I was so fortunate to get to get in and do training with her. She's amazing. And that was um, – I started my business about eight years ago. So that wow. was my journey from, you know, costume design to peaceful parenting coach with <laughs> the segue of teaching in the middle. No, but
0: I love that. And I love how you said intuitively because that's kind of where I was leading towards it was going to be my question it was like, wow, it sounds like it's something you just felt like, no, if the baby's crying, like I need to – kind of see what's, what's, what's going on. You know, I also never believed in that as well. First of all, I I mean, I I struggled so much postpartum. I couldn't hear him cry. I had that. I was the empath type parent. And I still, I think have a lot of that, um, a lot of postpartum anxiety. So seeing him Um, cry for me or or even feeling, I was like, no, like, you know, he needs, he, there's a reason why he's crying. I couldn't just let him cry in the middle Mm -hmm. of the night. It's communication, right? Very much communication. He just can't say the words. Um, So I love how you said intuitively you knew that and wow, eight years in. So let me ask, have you seen changes? It sounds like you still continue to um, or c- continue to have the education for this. Right. So I yeah. guess I should ask, do things change in, in the field of that? Like what what have you seen the biggest difference um, now that we are in 2022 compared to when you kind of started it um, as a coaching business eight years ago? And I also I'll add into there because maybe you can put it together. What has it connected you with your children, and what changes have you seen? Do you think, had you maybe not gone that way, mm-hmm. like where has it really helped you, parent, especially your oldest child, in the day and age that we're in?
1: Mm-hmm. In yeah. the two so, thousands. So you know, I think going back to two thousand one, two thousand two, when my when my first born, he was two thousand one. Um, this, as I said, there weren't resources Mm -hmm. that were supportive of that kind of intuitive parenting that I was feeling like I wanted to do. And my kids were not easy kids. Like, I think, you know, I want to just add that in there too. Like I have three incredibly strong-willed kids who um, were, you know, they, they're, they're amazing, but they weren't, you know, they were not easy. They weren't so, just
0: like, sure, mommy. And yeah. they just went about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: and I just want to point that out. Because people often will say like, oh, sure, if you've got easy kids, you know, you don't have to use punishment or consequences. But like, you know, I, I mean, my kids have never been a punished day in their life. But that doesn't mean that they've never misbehaved. I was thinking today about, you know, one time when my When my middle son was five, and he scratched his name in our car with a rock, like you know, there, there have definitely been things that you kind of go like, if there was a time for a consequence, it might be this. But really, (laughs) how's that? How's that consequence going to help him do better the next time? Uh, Anyways, I'm digressing. But what I think one of the biggest differences is that that today people are aware of peaceful parenting, conscious parenting, gentle parenting, positive parenting, whatever you want to call it. It's not as fringy as it was. 21 years ago. So I think that's a really big difference. Um, even I notice a difference even from when I started my business until now, like there's just so much more out there. There's so many more books, there's so many more people talking about it. And so I think that's really great. Like, I think we're really moving in the direction of, um, you know, a kinder world, really, and people realizing that, you know, even repercussions of, you know, the, the justice system, you know, really does punishing people, turn them into better humans. Our jails, sure. jails wouldn't be so full if that worked, right? Like th- sure. there's got to be, there got to be other supports in place. People need help, right? They don't just need to uh, slap on the wrist and lock you up for 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a big difference. It's just an attitude. Um, I forget the next part of your question. Oh, and then how have you seen changes, I guess, in
0: parenting your children in the sense of not having regrets, but Well, I guess you said it because you're like your children. First of all, I'm sure you had three different children. You had three children. So I can see if maybe you just had one and someone can say, oh, well, maybe your son or daughter, like you said, they were easy or they were super well behaved that they just did what you say, but you had three children. So I would even statistically, you might have one that's like, okay, a little bit more like me between my sister and I, I was kind of, my parents never asked me about my homework. Like I just did the things right. I just did what I was supposed to do. Um, so you've had three very different children. So I guess, I, I guess, like, how have you even seen, or how's your parenting changed as your children's got children have gotten older and seen changes? I guess, like, I'm always so fascinated with parents who have older children. I just am because now that I am a mom, I'm like, wow, like, how is it to be a mom 21 years in, especially, goodness, my son will be five and things have changed from five years ago. So Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is what have you seen change even within your own parenting with it all? And then I'm going to jump into asking some other ways like parents can connect with their kids. But Yeah. yeah, it's just I'm always so fascinated with parents with older kids, because I can't even imagine being there. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, I think I think one thing that um, I wouldn't exactly say this has changed, but it's been sort of proven that you can trust that kids will that kids will um, develop into the people that you know they can become. So, you know, when my my middle son, he's my most extreme, strong willed guy. He's eighteen now, and when he was little my husband was like really worried about him. Like he's going to grow up. He used to always say he's going to grow up and get punched in the face. Like that was his, like, he's going to say the challenge. Yeah. He's so, he was so like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I mean, I'll share a quick story. Once when he was in, um, in middle school, he was telling me that, um, he wanted to, to, uh, he was thinking about going out for flag football and we sort of had a rule against football, like tackle football in our family because of head injuries. And, um, so My husband came, so my son said, "I want to go out for flag football, but I don't know because it's before school, and I don't know if I want to get up that early." And I said, "Well, you could try it one day and see what you think." And and then, so he came home that day, and he said, "Um, "Yeah, I decided I'm not going to do it. It wasn't that fun, and I don't want to get up that early." My husband comes in the room and says, "What are you two talking about?" And my son says, football. And my husband says, you are not playing football. And my my son says, I am. Yes, I am. And I was just laughing on the side because it's just 30 seconds ago he told me he didn't want to do it. But as soon as my husband said, you can't do it, he was like, I'm doing it and you can't stop me, right? That's the kind of kid that he is. And um, and of course, they, you know, my husband had a laugh once he heard the whole story. But, um, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, even we were just we we're he, he's a lovely human being and he's he's just graduated from high school. He's taking a gap year. He's working yeah. full time. He's playing baseball. He gets you know, I just met his new boss who's doing construction for and this guy was going on and on about how responsible he is and what a great worker he is. And, and, you know, my husband had these doubts that he was going to get punched in the face at this age. Right. So, and even my sister-in-law, we were at a wedding and, and her son is five, that that prime worry that you're going to get punched in the face age. And she said, I keep, I keep, I keep reminding myself that Asa turned out great. (laughs) So, but I think that goes to you.
0: I think that shows a lot though of you and your husband of those staying with the consistency with how you're parenting, right? And I know a lot of that has to do with that. I think our children are who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I have seen that, like, as much as we might want to, and I try not to, and I won't even say mold, but whatever it is of whatever it is that we're trying to get them to do um i think our children are who they are it's just kind of our our job to help them get there but within boundaries and teaching them to be kind and all of these other things um so i think it's a testament to 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 you and your husband and your parenting style of saying no and kind of sticking with it and saying no this is what it is yeah. um so thank you for sharing that for being vulnerable and I guess now I'll ask.
1: Can, can um, I add one thing before oh, sure. you ask just about sure. what you said because I think I I think I have a metaphor for you that would be really useful um to getting at what you're saying. Um there's actually a book about this, but I'm just going to borrow the metaphor which is um we can either be carpenter parents or gardener parents and what you're talking about is being a gardener right that children have within them everything they need to grow into the humans that they're that they the best humans that they can be and we just have to provide that you know love and and safety and connection and compassion and and good limits you know not too many not not unnecessary limits but that they're going to grow to be who they are and versus a carpenter parent who thinks you have to like do things like, I don't even know if you have to teach kindness. I think you just have to be kind, right? Because people, I believe we are born good. I believe that all children want to be good and that, and if they're, if they're not, again, it goes back to that stress behavior is misbehavior. Um, It's because they're having a hard time. So I think if we're holding that space and like this child is going to grow into be this beautiful human being and versus we have to do things to create that. um, I think that is the metaphor that you're sort of, that you're sort of looking for.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you. So eloquently put. So what are some ways then, let's generalize this, that parents can connect more with their children? Um, we are in an in age, you mentioned the iPad, you know, a lot of screen time. Um, my husband and I have limits around that. Um, and for the most part, my son is okay with it. My son is a kind of child where he needs to ask why. Yeah. There has to be a reason for him, to, for his brain. Otherwise he'll ask why 20 million times. And my husband and I will explain, like we've never not answered um, a question. when we, He's asked about death, like he's that child. Mm-hmm. Anything that goes on, he's super curious. Um, so I, I say all that to say, so yes, we're in the, the, the day and age, iPad, their screen time, video games, all of these things, our telephone. How can parents, especially parents with older children, connect more um, together?
1: I've always said I'm so I just said this on the weekend. I'm so grateful that smartphones did not exist when my kids were little, because I think it would have been really hard for me to be present if I had had a a phone. It can be boring to be at the playground. It can be boring to be home with little yes. kids, right? Um so I'm glad I didn't have that distraction. So I think that's you know one thing is to be cognizant of yeah. making sure that you're you're not like distractedly just looking at your phone when when you're sitting there with your child at the park or or eating dinner. Um I don't think screens are bad per se, but I think that everyone should be conscious of, you know, how much time do we have not on screens? Like it, you know, if we only have three hours between pickup and bedtime and the kids are watching TV for two hours, that only leaves an hour to connect with them. So it's not that, you know, that screens are terrible, but what are they taking away from? Are they taking away from playtime? Are they taking away from connection time? Um, So I think that really just making time to, to be. Um, it's funny you mentioned that about older kids because it's so funny. I end up talking about my middle son all the time on, on, on everything. I do have two other children, but it always seems like the stories are about my middle son. <laughs> so I mentioned that he's working a construction job. And so he he came home from his job today and then he had an hour and a half to eat and then go back out for baseball practice. And I thought, I'm going to make myself be in the kitchen for that hour and a half. like I did have more work to do, but I thought I'm just going to be in the kitchen there. Yeah. And- and he, I said to my husband tonight, I said, I think he misses us. Like he actually stayed in the kitchen the whole time and and uh, was kind of chatting with me about his day and yeah. telling me things. And so I think at whatever age, making yourself available, even if it doesn't feel like you're doing anything, uh, yes. and especially with older kids, there's actually a, a term for it, which is be a potted plant. <laughs> so you might not be doing anything but sharing space. <laughs> um, I just imagine
0: just sitting there be like, I'm here. And yeah. then they might just start talking 100%. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, and, and if you have um, if you have a busy life, I mean, you know, in, in Peaceful Parenting, we talk about a, a tool called Special Time, which is 15 minutes a day where you say to your child, I'm all yours for the next 15 minutes. What would you like to play? And you immerse yourself in your child's world for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, whatever you can manage. I recognize that that gold standard is hard for some parents to do during the week if you don't have support, if your schedule doesn't allow it. But if you can make time on the weekends to just have that special time, you know, I'm all yours for the next 20 minutes, buddy, you know, what do you want to play that one-on-one time? That's huge. But during the week when you don't have – when you can't do that 20 minutes, how can you find what I call micro moments of connection? So one of those things we like talk about in peaceful parenting is delighting in your child. So, you know, you, they come down in the morning from waking up and you're in the kitchen and you look up and you just smile, you know, you, you, um, the, uh, I forget who has said this, um, and I don't want to say the wrong name, so I'll have to tell you later, but it's the, the phrase is let the love that you feel in your heart show on your face. Mm -hmm. That's what delighting in your child is. So it is hard because I remember my oldest son once When he was about 16, he was sitting in the kitchen and I was like making dinner and I had 25, you know, the 30 emails I had to write like on my mind. And I was in a fine mood, but I was feeling busy and distracted. Preoccupied. Yeah. 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 And my son said, mom, are you mad at me? And I was like, no, I'm not mad at you. But I realized that I was sharing space with him in a way that was. um, And your energy, your they, they feel it. Yeah. So just trying to find those moments to delight and connect, even if you're busy, even if you, you know, you can't get the 15 or 20 minutes, but smiling when they walk in the room, a hug, a, a squeeze, you know, a whisper in the ear, like those, just those little things don't take any extra time. They do take consciousness, you know, and intention, but they don't take extra time. So that's just, I think, good tips for any ages. And what
0: are some strategies parents can use to have less stress and more joy in their life? And I I know that goes hand in hand because like I said before, all of these things I I do well and I'm conscious of it and I'm aware of it. But those days when I need to learn my self-regulation or I'm highly stressed and I can feel it and I'm so thankful I can because I'm like, all right, Nicole, you're, you're, you're spazzing out right now and I I feel my temperature rise in this. I'm like, you need to calm down Mm -hmm. um, because it's not his fault. You're running behind and that you have to write the 30 emails, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So how can parents or how do you suggest and what are some strategies you teach with your coaching to have less stress and more joy?
1: Yeah, well, I mean – one thing is like strategic and one thing is just mindset. So the mindset mm-hmm. thing I think is to be more compassionate with yourself. Um, you know, if we're running around beating ourselves up about everything that we didn't do or everything we wish we'd done differently, or I can't believe I did that, that that is going to negatively impact our parenting and make us more stressed out. So having more compassion for ourselves, like, ah, oh, of course you're exhausted. Or of course this is hard that he's lying on the floor screaming and, you know, whatever, like anybody in my position would be having a hard time. Um, If someone can't see me, I intuitively, I put my hand on my heart when I say that because I find that comforting to myself. So um, the work of Kristen Neff is fabulous for self-compassion if someone needs a self-compassion practice. But I think that's a really great way for parents to feel less stressed is just to be kinder to themselves and more compassionate with themselves. And I think another piece is to, to try and do less like kids don't need five activities. Um, they don't need a big fancy dinner. Like honestly, um, you know, my kids had eggs a lot for dinner. They had jarred spaghetti sauce and spaghetti a lot for dinner. We had rice and beans tonight. Yeah. Rice rice and and beans. beans. Oh my gosh. We have rice and beans every week. Um, (laughs) you know, so, so don't, you know, you don't have to do anything, um, fancy to have like a nutritious dinner. I mean, that's just one example, but, um, where can you where can you cut corners? Where can you do less? You you know you don't have to make fifty plans for the weekend. You can just stay home, go to the park. So really, just trying to um, have fewer demands on yourself as a family, I think, will really decrease the overall stress in the in the home. And and also that goes back to the being there advice that I just
0: gave. Sure. It does. And I think even as you're saying that, I was like, goodness, when we add so many of those activities, I, I think we're also setting ourselves up for failure because then I think our children, especially when we start from young, mm-hmm. then subconsciously expect that, right? It's like the, the grand old thing of like when someone's dating somebody and the man's going all out and you're like, oh, be careful because, you know, you're setting up, you're setting up this expectation that every time Valentine's, they're expecting a yeah. helicopter ride at at the Eiffel <laughs> Tower, whatever it is, you know, yeah, but yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if we're doing that for our ki- children so young, it's like this expectation. It's like every time they get a toy or whatever it is, um, subconsciously. And again, you can't knock them for understanding that when there's a pattern yeah, that like this is what it thing, is. Right? Yeah, exactly. like what's the next thing, right? Like what's the thing? As and opposed that goes to just being to like, the, okay, let's be bored. Yeah, Go ahead. the
1: people, not stuff I was going to say, like, you know, just being together and yes. not having a lot of activities or a lot of you know, new toys or whatever, but just you know, having that. Um, yes. as you said, like it, it if you are constantly filling your children's time with things and activities and stuff, then they sure. they won't have that rich inner life where they can entertain themselves and know what to do.
0: For and you sure. won't have
1: as much time with them. I totally agree. Um,
0: how do you? release, reset and recharge, what do you do? And it, I, I love that you've dropped a lot of resources. One of the things that I add to my show notes are resources from that uh, a guest has mentioned. So I love this um, because you'll have a lot, but so I know you read, you're, you're constantly sub- immersed in that and I love that, but what else do you do to make sure that you are taken care of and that you're at your best?
1: I try to get sleep, try to get at least eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, And that's actually something I talk with parents a lot about, parents that I work with, um, because I think a lot of parents, in order to try and recharge themselves, they'll stay up late, but then they're exhausted. Um, And so, yeah, are you guilty of that?
0: (laughs) I am at some, well, you know what? Uh, for and I'll quickly say this before you jump in because I think it's an important it's important for my listeners to hear especially those starting a business so I just started my entrepreneur journey last year I left corporate now I've had my podcast for a couple of years and I'm just now starting this aspect of it as a business but leaving corporate altogether was last year so it's been a lot it's it, it's been a journey of trying to figure out what my Um, schedule looks like? What does that look like? And I've read all the books and listened to all the podcasts and trying to do all the things. And truthfully, it's what has to feel good for me. So what I've learned is I have to have a balance. So there are some nights, yes, I want to veg out in front of the TV, and I need that mindless Like Mm -hmm. I try to get away from that. And I'm like, no, I need that. That actually fills my cup to Mm -hmm. sit there and just watch Mindless TV. Sometimes I'll even bring my laptop and I need it for background noise. Then there's other days I know my body. I have to go straight to bed early. So Mm -hmm. I've just been learning for me is listening what I need at that moment. And it could be watching TV, it could be going to bed early, it could be sitting in my office and fully immersing myself in work. Um, But those nights that I have watched maybe a couple back to back, and I'm like, okay, okay, like, I can't do this. My son will wake up in the middle of the night. And it's like, you know, I'm like, Oh, why did I stay up till 130 in the morning? So I'm laughing because I've had those moments. But I've also realized to allow myself to have those moments, to not do anything yes. and just watch TV.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's important too. Uh, what I often say is just a few nights a week, go to bed yes. when your kid goes to bed and just, yes. you know, try and catch up on those nights. You just reminded me of that Jerry Seinfeld bit about, um you know, night Jerry stays up really late. Um, okay. you know, night Jerry's not morning Jerry's problem, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> which yes. I think is a hilarious way to think of it. Yes. Um, so yeah, trying to, trying to get sleep, um, I, I realized early on, I, I have what I call, I, I when I work with parents, I ask them to figure out what their recipe for calm is. Mm-hmm. And my recipe for calm is time alone and exercise. Those are the two things that I really need. Some people, it's time with friends or whatever, but sure. mine is time alone. And it's been really challenging for me in the pandemic, honestly. Yeah. My kids were at home doing virtual school and my husband still working from home. I, you know, I love my husband, but he's at the office three days this week and I am, my kids are at school, my daughter's at school, my son's working and I am like happy dance. Like I, just, cause it's part, it's like time alone in my house. Like that's really what fills me up is just being alone in my house. Yes. So, uh, trying to get exercise every day, trying to get that time alone. Um, as you mentioned, I love to read. I've sort of been reading a lot of kind of trashy beach read novels this summer, which is a lot just of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Baths. Yeah. So I take a bath every day. I started that in the pandemic, actually. I used to take a bath maybe once or twice a week. But in the pandemic, I started every day I take a bath because that's really like my alone time. No one will ask me anything. Uh, They know, like, leave mom alone if she's in the bathtub.
0: I love it. And do you outsource any tasks? Um, I love asking this question because I love to hear whether business or personal, what tasks of yours you're like you know what I'm not touching that because my time is
1: more valuable Um, so
0: if you don't mind sharing what are maybe some things that you outsource
1: yeah so I outsource my cleaning um I started that maybe Five years ago, getting having a cleaning person, which is amazing. We lo- didn't have it for two years in the pandemic, which I really <laughs> yes. missed. But we have cleaning people back again, which I love. Um, and my grocery shopping, I outsource. I do like online order and then my kids pick it up. Um, love it. So that, those are two big things that I outsource personally. Um, in my business, I have um, someone who does probably about – 10 to 15 hours a week of virtual admin stuff for me, um, including a lot of my, she's more than a virtual admin. She does a lot of my content also. So I have like a right-hand person in my business. She does a ton for me. Then I also, um, as we talked about before, I have a podcast manager who does all of my podcast stuff. Um, So I think that's it. Yeah.
0: I love it. And I love like, it's crazy because like, our generation, our moms, like they cleaned and they, they did everything. And it's like, I don't know how many women I've interviewed on my show when I asked them outsourcing, like cleaning is like the top of the, the list. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's cool to see how the generations have shifted. And it's like, no, you know, we're working, we're doing other things that cleaning just, that's, we, we can I'd rather spend my time with my family or doing things for me than spending a whole Saturday cleaning or whatever it is. Um, doesn't mean I'm not training up my house, but yeah, yeah having someone come and deep clean, etc. Um, so I, I love that. And shopping is another big one that people say I do that as well. Um, I think the pandemic, if anything, that's something that a lot of us had to do, and it's just stuck. It's like, yeah. oh well, we could order. Insta I actually, yeah, I was do actually
1: it. doing it before. Um, the, oh wow, the, picking stuff up because I could send my kids to get it. But I just have yes. a funny story about about the, about the cleaning, my, um, you know, saying about our mom's clean, like both of my parents are like super neat freaks. And, um, I remember once when my kids were little and you, because you said, you know, spending time with our families instead of cleaning. Um, I think I still did that, (laughs) but I didn't have a cleaner because once my parents were visiting and they said, you know, Sarah, we really admire that you, um, you put the kids first ahead of, like, doing the dishes or cleaning the house. And and I thought that was a really, like, backhanded way to say, like, your house is a disaster, but you do spend a lot of time with your kids. So I thought that was really funny. Yes, it's so
0: true. Um, yeah, if you go in. Yes, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I could, that that's definitely something my parents um would say as well um but that that's funny um so how can my listeners actually know before we before we go into how my listeners can connect with you what services do you provide with your peaceful parenting coach business and then maybe also list how they can connect with you obviously i will also list in the show notes and then any of your final thoughts to the podcast community
1: sure so i have um sort of three branches of my business. I have my one-on-one coaching that I do with with parents. I actually um, reached close to capacity this past year. So I trained i have two women who are who coach under me now who i trained who are wonderful coaches so there are three of us now in my business um they're uh they're 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 amazing and it's nice to be able to offer a, a lower cost option as well um for for people uh for coaching and i also have a membership which is like a netflix style um monthly membership of you know, we have Love it. office hours, group coaching, we have a monthly um, expert, like a guest expert on a theme this month, we're talking about sharing the load, um, how to be more equitable in our partnerships. Um, and I also have a, a, a 10 week or 10 module parenting course, a peaceful parenting course that I launched twice a year, I offer that the next time I'm going to be offering it is going to be in January of 2023. Um, it's actually going on right now. And so I do it twice a year sort of uh, spring and fall.
0: I love it. So that's a lot of, that's a nice variety there. Yeah. It's um, and then how can I can't
1: pe- do the same thing all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. no but that's good that gives yeah. you the course it's it's a nice way of, of of putting what you do out there and helping people at the same light as opposed to then just having 30 clients which as you said you'd get burnt down and yeah. that you can't sustain that way how can people connect with you
1: my website sarah has all of the things that i just listed um and because we're on a podcast i'd love to tell people i also have a podcast which is called the peaceful parenting podcast so um, your listeners might want to check that out if they're interested in learning more about peaceful parenting Um, And so, yeah, sarahrosensweet.com is a great place. You'll find my Instagram there. You'll find my free Facebook group there. I have a large and active, amazing Facebook community that people are free to join and um, lots of free resources as well on my website. I love it. And any other final thoughts before we part
0: ways here to the podcast world?
1: Oh, I just want to tell your your listeners that they're doing a great job, and that they I know how hard you all are on yourselves, and um you uh you give yourself some love and compassion. It's really hard to be a parent, especially if you have a parent that's sorry a child that's you know a little bit more or extra what I what I call them, and um just be gentle with yourselves and and try to appreciate yourselves for all the things that you're already doing i love that thank you so much sarah for coming on for sharing your story for sharing your
0: wisdom your knowledge with my listeners and continued blessings to you for love and light thank you thanks thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode you may also rate and review on apple podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.